This is the James Cancer-Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg. Thanks for joining our ongoing journey to explore and better understand the amazing and life-saving breakthroughs being made in cancer research. Today, our guest is Robert Wesolowski, a James physician and researcher who's involved in early phase clinical trials and immunotherapy research. We're going to talk to Robert about something that, to be honest, I'd never heard of until a couple of months ago. I was talking with Robert while we were putting together a special episode of this podcast for WCBE Radio, and I asked him, what's next? What's out there that has real potential, uh, that just is cutting-edge stuff? And he said, personalized cancer vaccines. I was intrigued by this, this concept. I'd never heard of it, and I told Robert he had to come back to do another podcast and fill everyone in on this. And and he said, yes. So welcome back to the podcast, Robert. Well, thank you for having me. So, Robert, from what I understand, the concept of a, of a personalized cancer vaccine is, is different than a traditional vaccine. In the traditional vaccine, the exact same vaccine is given to, to everyone at a young age and prevents a disease such as, as polio or the measles. But in a personalized cancer vaccine, this is for someone who has already been diagnosed for cancer, right? Right. At this, at this stage of the, of the research development, it is mainly targeting patients who either have uh, cancer or they are at very high risk of developing it. So it doesn't prevent it, it's to treat it. Correct. Okay. So perhaps it might be useful before we get into the personalized cancer vaccine, just in general explain how a, a regular vaccine works, and then we can apply that later as, as you get into personalized cancer vaccines. Yeah, so the whole concept behind vaccines comes from the fact that your immune system needs to learn and develop memory about um, particular uniqueness about um, infectious um, microbe um, that um, is different than your normal host body that um, your immune system is able to tolerate and knows that these are self um, self cells that, that, that should not be attacked. And to do that, vaccines uh, basically consists of either attenuating life uh, bacteria or viruses or um, an extract of a peptide or protein, which is the building block of the microbe that is specific for that particular microbe. And then it is injected into the body where um, through multiple processes, the immune system presents this to the specialized immune cells called lymphocytes, which then uh, get activated and eventually form memory. And when that happens, when you are exposed to an infection, you actually have the memory already. So um, the immune uh, reaction against in infection and clearance of the infections infectious um, infectious um, microbe, uh, that clearance is much quicker and much more effective. If you did not get the vaccine, basically the process of learning about the microbe, presenting it to the lymphocytes, developing activating activated lymphocytes, and then also forming memory cells, that will take good, you know, five to seven days. Uh, before the immune system is fully able to to act uh, to its best of its capacity. 
So vaccines basically um, uh, help us shorten the time when the immune system switches the flip, the, the switches the, the um, uh, flips the switch. I'm sorry, that's okay. Flips the switch and is able to maximally attack the infectious because um, um, it micro- recognizes it from earlier when it was given. Is this correct? It was given sort of like a lower dose of the actual. Uh, disease, correct? So, and, okay, the dose of the disease, or even just a a, a small piece of the building block of the okay. microbe that causes the, the okay. disease. So it's it's, it's a, it has the memory and is able to react much more quickly. Um, now, cancer also has unique proteins, uh, and that's because they are formed from mutated genes. And mutations are very common in cancers. Uh, these mutations then um, lead to cancer cells expressing these abnormal proteins that are only present on the cancer cells, but not on normal cells, which do not have these mutations. So personal cancer vaccines explore that. And unlike your classical vaccine, the biggest challenge is that everyone... Uh, affected by cancer has a unique set of mutations within that cancer, which uh, drive the cells to become cancerous. And maybe, you know, some mutations that are present in one person will not be present in another person with even the same type of cancer. So, so giving a generic vaccine may not work for everyone. So, the, so it sounds like the first step in a personalized cancer vaccine is identifying on a genetic level the mutation in the, a specific patient's cancer tumor. or That's correct. And it's not that simple. Okay. <laughs> um, basically, what needs to happen is that, you know, the tumor specimen needs to be retrieved, either by performing a biopsy or by finding an old biopsy in the archival specimens in pathology lab, uh, which then leads to extraction of tumor cells, extraction of tumor DNA, and then running uh, something called next-generation sequencing, which uh, basically then um, identify unique mutations that are present in the tumor. So once you've identified mutations, commonly um, this information is fed into a bioinformatics software that will help researchers predict which of these mutations are have the highest probability of activating the, mu- the immune system. And um, this information is then used to, to pick specific mutations. We typically don't pick all of them we, because, again, the process is time-consuming and expensive. Uh, so we want to be efficient. And we don't want to waste resources by producing vaccines that don't work. So um, bioinformatics software now is able to assist in identifying mutations with high probability of causing immune activation. So once that's done... So these mutations that have the high probability of immunoactivation, that means these are the ones that are easier for the immune system to detect or, or harder? I'm, easier, I'm a, easier. Easier. So okay. in other words, um, the bioinformatics software um, will analyze the mutations and pick the ones that will make it easier for the immune system to recognize those mutations and get activated. Okay, because in, in, up until this point, they're able to hide themselves from the immune system. 
Correct. And uh, that is that is a challenge. The vaccine is um, a way of amplifying the signal that stimulates the immune system, giving the immune okay. system sort of a boost of, look, these are these foreign proteins that shouldn't be on normal cells. They're on cancer cells. We're giving a lot of them to you to maybe hope that you can wake up. And, so, yeah. so this is sort of the next step of immunotherapy, which is more of a generic way of treating several people with a similar type of cancer. This is the next step, which is we're not going to use an, an, a drug that works for a lot of people. We're going to create a drug and immunotherapy for you, this Correct. exact person. This is the, 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 the high point of personalized cancer therapy. That's what we're hoping that okay. we will eventually develop is exactly what you said, that we will have, um, we will develop um, immunotherapy, uh, and in this particular case, an immunotherapy type called vaccine, cancer vaccine, that's very unique to the patient. So that, that's, a, that's a great point, because the word vaccine might be a little, I think, confusing to people, but it's, it's almost, it's the next step in immunotherapy where you're creating a vaccine that treats that person's cancer that wakes up the immune system to his or her specific mutations. So you've identified the the mutations that have the, the most potential to uh, go after. How do you then do that? How do you create the actual vaccine that I'm assuming yep. you inject back into the patient in some way? Yeah, so once you have a set of mutations that are unique to the patient's cancer, then you use that information to synthesize, um, artificially synthesize uh, mutated proteins because that's ultimately what's expressed in the cancer. Genome is like your blueprint that you use to build up proteins in the cells, but the immune system really recognizes the proteins that are abnormal. So you take the blueprint, which are the mutated genes, and then you synthesize uh, the pr peptides or proteins. Peptides are just shorter chains of um, amino acids. Proteins are very long chains of amino acids. And um, you synthesize enough of these uh, chains, enough length to kind of flank that whole mutation um, so it, it will be effective. Um, and that's done by, you know, every codon in DNA uh, codes for a specific amino acid, and the sequence of codons will give you a sequence of amino acids for that mutated peptide. So you, you use that, and you basically, you know, with a machine in the lab, you just, uh, with chemical reaction, you, you put uh, together these amino acids to form the peptide. And that peptide will be unique to that mutated gene. And those amino acids that become a peptide are the actual vaccine Correct. that is used in yeah. the person. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Robert, and we're going to learn about how they go to the next step of, of injecting this or, or however you put this vaccine into the person and where we are in the world with this type of new research. We'll be right back. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. 
We're back, the James Cancer Free World podcast, and our guest is Robert Wesolowski, and we're talking about personalized cancer vaccines. And so, Robert, we're now at the point where in the lab, by looking at the unique DNA sequencing of, of an individual patient's uh, cancer tumor, cancer mutation, you've created a vaccine. Sort of what's the next step and where are we in, in the world of science and research in terms of clinical trials and, and doing this with patients? So, unfortunately, that's not not the end of it. You need to do a little bit more work with these synthesized peptide vaccines before you before you inject give it the to patient. The, okay, and um, the next step is um, combining it with the right ingredients because the vaccine itself alone is unlikely to be sufficient in boosting the immune system. So we typically combine the vaccine with something called an adjuvant. One of the earliest adjuvants was called Freud adjuvant. It was like an oily-like substance that basically sequesters T-cells and other immune cells together where the vaccine is administered and also leads to um, stimulation of expression of certain immune hormones called cytokines that then help the immune system get activated. And we think that that is necessary in order for a vaccine to, to actually be effective. And without that, you, you may not really see much of an um, improvement in immune stimulation. So these two things are combined into the vaccine? Yes. Okay. And um, which whatever adjuvant you use um, is is. Part of it is science, part of it is art, you know, try and error, trying to see. And a lot of things um, get tested initially in the lab before we come up with the best combination of adjuvant and other substances that are added to the vaccine to make it work better. Um, But once we have that, we formulate the vaccine, and then the vaccine is then ready to be injected to the patient. We are working with um, several industry partners who are developing these vaccines, and we had a phase one clinical trial uh, looking one of the vaccines, which is currently on hold, but um, we will continue to participate once the study reopens. And um, it's still very early, and the very first step, I, you know, before you make big um, jumps, you have to start slow, and um, the first most important thing you need to assess in early clinical research is to be sure that the the treatment is safe. Because even though it sounds all great and you don't think that it's going to cause much harm, um, it is new, it is unproven, and you want to be sure that there are no unexpected um, toxicities that develop. So Things start very slowly. We typically start with the smallest possible doses of these vaccines, enroll three patients or so, and watch them for a period of time. If they are tolerating the the shots uh, well, then the next patient may get a higher dose. And these would be patients who've already received other standard treatments that haven't worked. Is that that true? Yes. Because you're not going to do this as the first line of treatment. Right, because... Even though maybe this will turn out to be the next right. great thing, we don't we know don't that know, yet. Yeah. And you don't want to deprive patients who have 
maybe like very good treatment for their cancer, you don't want to deny them that treatment. So we typically enroll patients who have failed or the treatment has failed them and they're now not having great options for right treatment. they've run out of other options let's this looks promising let's try this correct what what are you what were you and others around the country finding the, with the initial clinical trials we have found that uh, these vaccines are quite safe and easy to tolerate most patients develop um, some um, flu like symptoms for a couple of days after injection. They may have a little soreness at the site where the vaccine is given, but for the most part, they do really well. And, um, you know, other symptoms they they report are more unique to just having metastatic cancer than, than actually consistent with uh, treatment side effects. Um, and we also are able to see that the vaccines are capable of um, inducing some immune response. And in those trials, we frequently check blood samples and even do biopsies to see if anything changes after the vaccine and we see some changes in the immune system. Now, we don't know whether that change will actually lead to meaningful shrinkage of the tumors that is yet to be shown, but uh, at least we see preliminarily that there are signs that the immune system is, is getting activated. So it sounds like you're in the early stages of a new way of treating cancer that looks pretty promising, but a lot of work needs to be done, a lot of research, a lot of got to raise a lot of money to fund and and promote yes. this new research. Yes. But it sounds pretty you must be pretty excited. I mean, this this is like a whole new way to 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 fight cancer. I agree completely. It's we're going from um, you know, um poison burn and yeah. cut to Finding the uniqueness of your cancer and um, targeting that uniqueness with treatment that's specific for you and nobody else. And that holds great promise in developing effective treatments. Um, it creates some challenges because... It sounds very labor-intensive. That yes. perhaps is one of the challenges, that for each person creating this personalized vaccine is timely. <laughs> yes. um, it takes a lot of time, I mean. Timely and costly yeah. because it's like developing a new drug for every, every, every single patient. But if that leads us to curing people and or even, you know, giving people great amount of time and improving their lives, I think it's worth it. And it also sounds like the more you do it and as it becomes a standard of care, that the amount of time and the cost will start to shrink. Just like, the um, sequencing, gene sequencing, Correct. has be, used to be like a, a, I don't even know, a month long process. Uh, now it's a day or two, and is and yeah. doing panels of gene sequencing is much cheaper. So yeah, when human economy genome, of scale. Yes, when human genome project started in late nineteen nineties, early two thousand, it took them multiple years to sequence DNA. Now we can do the same in two weeks. So you start with no infrastructure. Right. You slowly yeah. develop it. And as you develop it, the, the cost goes down, the timeliness improves, the accuracy improves, and things get better. So right now it's challenging. It takes uh, more than six weeks from the time you enroll patient and do a biopsy and then have the vaccine re ready. And six weeks is actually a very uh, tight schedule for, for development of that vaccine. But I can imagine over time with improvement in, in methods and infrastructure, it'll be, that tie will be cut to shorter and shorter and shorter. 
So look into your, your crystal ball and, <laughs> and, and I don't know, three, five, ten years down the road. What do you see as the, the potential for, for personalized vaccines? So a couple of things. First, we think that these vaccines may actually be a great adjunct to treatments that we already have. So, for example, um, everybody is talking about immune checkpoint inhibitors and immunotherapy. We think that perhaps combining that treatment with individual cancer vaccines may provide more benefit to more patients. And we see that these therapies sometimes uh, lead to complete responses in patients, but it's only in a fraction of patients. Um, we hope that our vaccine research will eventually show that maybe we can increase that proportion of patients who have very meaningful, complete or near-complete response to immune checkpoint inhibitors if they get it together with the vaccine. Another big area of heart um, research is, is looking at um, using these vaccines to prevent disease recurrence in people who have still um, a reasonable chance of being cured. So their treatment has worked with other treatment, but the odds of their specific cancer comes back a lot before it comes back. Give them a vaccine and see whether they can rev up the immune system at the stage where the cancer is not back yet, and therefore there's, there is just very microscopic amount of cancer cells, and they are unable to inhibit the immune system um, compared to when the cancer comes back and it's all over the place. Wow, that's a whole new fascinating aspect yeah. of this, that for people who have the odds of recurring cancer, we're going to give create a vaccine that will, again, it will expose their immune system to, a, 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 to this cancer at yeah. a lower d- dose that your immune system builds the memory you talked about. So if it ever right. comes back, your immune system is ready. ready to fight it. Wow. Yes, exactly. Okay. And even more exciting to me, still work in progress and definitely nothing, nothing now, but in the future is maybe identifying people who never had cancer before, but um, have higher risk to develop cancer. For yeah. example, um, you're, you, you mentioned Lynch syndrome or people who have something called Lee-Fromani syndrome, which is a, a, a syndrome associated with multiple cancers that can develop, that perhaps uh, doing cancer vaccine um, to prevent development of cancer may be the way to go. Now, the biggest challenge here is that you don't have the cancer and you don't have the DNA with mutations to, to analyze. So that type of vaccine will have to be more generic. Right by that, but again, yeah. that's a whole other fascinating line of research that between the the increased emphasis and knowledge of genetics and genetic specific genetic mutations that lead to the BRCA breast cancer or the Lynch syndrome, or I'm sorry, the one you just mentioned, which I'd I'd not heard of before. Yeah. You know that these person, these people are predisposed, have have this genetic mutation or, or have inherited it. Let's create a vaccine for them so they never yeah. get the cancer. And in my mind, that's that's what vaccines are and when you look at vaccinating children against infections that's exactly the purpose of vaccines is not to do the vaccine when they already have been infected with particular microbe because then vaccines don't even work that great because again you didn't 
give your immune system time to develop that memory, and that's the main goal of the vaccine. But when you give it when someone's healthy and give them that, um, you know, that those tools, give the immune system the tools to to have the memory and be ready when infection hits. I think that's really where I see cancer vaccines eventually go is is to give your immune system to tools when you're healthy and you don't have cancer. And then uh, when cancer shows up, the immune system is ready for it. And then, and, and as, you, as you scientists and geneticists uncover more and more mutations that lead to predispositions for certain cancer, you'll start to come up with, with more and more of these vaccines. That's pretty yes. amazing. Because prevention is the yeah. best possible thing. Yeah, the prevention <laughs> is the yeah. best type of treatment. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, well thank you. I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned this personalized cancer vaccines a few months ago, and I'm glad you came back to, to fill us in, because this is just a fascinating and, and great potential in, in this treatment. Well, thank you for the opportunity to, you know, make, make me talk about things that I love to talk about. Okay. <laughs> we'll have you back in, a, in when the next, when you get to the next big step forward and your progress in this. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.